Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's Mark Grody. Mark Grody. You, 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 you think I'm stupid? You, you, you switch the samples so you can make... You falsified your research to make... What, what is it? Probasic. It's Mark Grody. He found the coffee and he's crapped his pants. It's Grody time! Yeah! It's Mark Grody on 670 The Score. Guess that's me. Good morning. Welcome into Score Sunday. You heard the man. I'm Mark Grody, and I get to be here with you until noon today on 670 The Score. Nine to noon. It is exactly... 9 o'clock on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score, and I deem myself up because I've had multiple cups of coffee. Now I am hooked up, and guess what? I am open for you on a Sunday morning, 312-644-6767 is the number to call or to text. I said that, Billy Donovan said it he said it after the bulls lost last night to miami 127 to 109 the bulls go down billy donovan said it we have a long way to go to be at their level that's what the chicago bulls head coach said yesterday after their one two three fourth loss to the eastern conference leading miami heat 127 to 109 they've lost them all this year to all the top teams in the eastern conference but they've lost them all to jimmy butler and the miami heat and when billy donovan says we have a long way to go to be at their level and he is speaking i think when he said that his intention was to speak about the miami heat the team which the bulls had just lost to but I think it is pretty befitting of talking about other teams in the Eastern Conference right now. We have a long way to go to be at their level. The Bulls have reached a certain level this year. Unfortunately, it's right about where most of us thought they would probably end up being this season. I think we all left open the possibility of something good happening in the Bulls being where they were for a big chunk of the season, and that was in first place. But I think the prevailing reality was that the Bulls were going to be a four or five seed or where they wake up this morning. 
The Chicago Bulls are a six seed. Yeah, they have been leapfrogged by Toronto. Toronto is a half game ahead of the Bulls. The Bulls do. If that continues over the last four games of the season, keep in mind the Bulls do have the tiebreaker against the Raptors. And hey, keep Cleveland's not out of this thing yet in terms of top six. They are in seventh place and two games behind the Chicago Bulls right now. Good news there. Good news there. Cleveland, the Bulls own the tiebreaker there as well. as They have handled the Cavaliers this year three games to one is what has happened in the season series this year for the Bulls and Cavs. So there is that. See, the Bulls were good against the quote-unquote lesser teams in the East this year or in the NBA. And at various times, Toronto and Cleveland were that, at least in terms of being behind the Bulls, or a team that the Bulls can handle. They just can't handle Miami, Milwaukee, Boston, Philadelphia, and and teams like that. But getting back to, to Billy Donovan, this is he is correct. And it is the – Billy Donovan has been mostly honest, it feels like, when you listen to most of his press conferences, or at least you feel like you're getting something from him. This was the most getting something from him that I have heard – this year from Donovan. I don't think I've heard anything like that. I think that he has been dramatic within a within the, the frame of, of a game. But this was more, you know, admitting you have a long way to go to catch up with Miami if you want to just make it singular. But I think he is referring to the rest of, of the NBA and the rest of the conference because the fact remains that the Bulls are still, or they are, 0-17, against the top three teams in both conferences this year. They are, and if you'd like, just to just to give it the other side, the just the Eastern Conference, the Bulls are 1-12 against those teams, and that's really who you have to think about once you get to the, to the conference or into the postseason and into the playoffs. So, yep. That is, it is the, the truth has, has been sinking in for the last month or two for the Bulls. Isn't that like what's like a slow-moving, sort of intimidating truth? Even though things were going very well, and the Bulls won five straight games before the All-Star break, and it just, it, they were in first place. The Bulls were in first place at the All-Star break. Even though that was happening... You had DeMar DeRozan doing the amazing, and you weren't necessarily playing great teams. So there, there it is. You could see the big, slow ball of truth sort of hovering over and, like, thinking, yeah, the Bulls are good, but are they really the top team in the Eastern Conference? And then time goes on, and the Bulls are losing the must-win games. They lose the the horrible loss at Sacramento. I mean, many losses where the Bulls should have needed to win, and each one of those like brought you closer to the truth of what the Bulls are, and it just kept on moving like that. Little bumps along the way, a victory here or there. That like the the last time the Bulls played the the Raptors, that was one of their better wins this season. But all of a sudden, there are enough. Bad losses. And even though Miami is good, that's at home, you're relatively healthy, and you have not beaten this team at all this year. 
that's a pretty bad loss to to Miami last night, 127 to 109. So it was almost like that clinched, not a playoff berth, but it clinched the full truth about the Bulls, that they are a fifth, or I don't know if the Bulls will be a five or six seed. That's what you're looking at, that you're hoping for at this point. I, I don't know if they will be a five or six seed, but the, the truth of the matter is is that's you know this is one of those cases fifth or sixth place in the Eastern Conference that's about right and and again I am trying hard to do the relativity factor here and that is just be happy hey think about how horrible this was last year think about the years even previous to last year I mean things started to feel good last year when the Vucevic trade went down but it's it really before that it was just it was just awfulness and it was a feeling of this is going to take a long it always does no matter what the sport is it always feels like you're about 10 years away when you're in the midst of of a horrific season isn't that the truth like no matter where you're like oh good god this is awful this is i'm you know selling off my season tickets then usually like two or three years later teams are good again so and not just in the nfl this is the we've seen it sprout with the Bulls, we have seen we we witnessed the the sprouting of the White Sox after all the anger, all the like one thing after another. It was just it was just awful for the White Sox and just this organization need to be you know wiped off the map. And then oh, here they are, here they are, still a right fielder short in my opinion. But anyway, we'll get to the White Sox uh, a little bit later on. So there is that, and and by speaking about it right now, as I just did on the radio, that perhaps helps me to get to that spot, to get to that place of just being, yeah, I'm going to say it, just being happy to to be there. So I, I guess that's where I have to get. I've been working on it. I've been working through it a little bit during the overnights, and that that has not come to fruition completely and so maybe i work it out during the 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 daylight hours or morning hours here on a sunday on chicago sports radio 670 the score 312-644-6767 are you there are you at that point where you have accepted this is hey this is what the bulls are or does it feel pretty disappointing that the bulls have slid to where they are I didn't want to be like it got to the point in the season where when the Bulls were, let's just say when the Bulls were still in the jockey in, in top three. Okay, let's just even eliminate them from first place. It felt really good. It felt really good to have that, to have a team that looked like a, a the you know, overall leader in the conference and to be going in that direction. So, it, it just becomes difficult, even though we saw the big slow truth moving, even though we saw that moving, it still felt like, okay, is there some chance that the Bulls could possibly overcome this? So, and it's just, it is not to be, and, you know, it is not a good thing that they are struggling at this time, and I think we learned, speaking of the White Sox, I hate to keep connecting Bulls and White Sox, but why not? They're, they're owned by the same guy, that the, the White Sox, they had a similar predicament last year when what was all the, the storyline of the White Sox 
in the final two months of the season was tuning up for the playoffs. And the conversation was about the White Sox not beating good teams. And some people subscribed, some people poo-pooed that completely. It said that's a whole new sheet of ice. It's a totally different ball game. It doesn't matter. And guess what? The White Sox got their butts kicked by a really good team. Like, and it wasn't even close. So, and I, by the way, I was I was staunchly on the side of with the White Sox. It means a lot that you're not beating the good team. So, or maybe I didn't say a lot. Let me not now. <laughs> I just to benefit me. Or perhaps perhaps we all do that. I, I am going to hyperbolize to benefit me throughout the morning today. But I, I was like I was I was shook my head. What do you mean it doesn't matter? And now here the Bulls are in that same predicament as the White Sox, the Bulls are, where yeah. I and I've heard people I I heard Stacey King say it last night that it's hey, it's the postseason, it's a whole new ball game, it's a whole different level. You bet it is, and it's a level higher. What you see teams doing to DeMar DeRozan right now, the the double teaming of him, whoo, you just you, you you ain't seen nothing yet. So yeah, it it does change in the postseason. It is a fresh hardwood out there, but it's it's uh, not fresh for the better. Everybody's going to be coming at you. Whatever you have seen, however they have exploited your weaknesses, however they have defended you, however they have shot on you, like maybe the, what, 53% last night from Miami, it's all going to be intensified. So, And those are all good teams, by the way, playoffs. At least they're supposed to be. So be prepared. 312-644-6767. Let me go to Adam in Rockford. Hello, Adam. How are you? You're on the score. Thanks for having me on, man. No problem, just, Adam. Just wanted to talk about um, when when you have a guy who who comes in and ends up having injuries and comes back and looks so much bigger than he did when drafted, and 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 does not look slower, especially in the last couple of games, is playing really really excellent defense, and as he becomes more confident coming back from his injury. You, I mean, do, do do you feel like do you feel like he's going to end up being, uh, you know, what an actual an actual piece going forward for the Bulls? Oh, you talking about Patrick Williams, right? I assume he was Patrick Williams. That is such an interesting case. Last night he had twelve points and six rebounds. And what I will continue to say, like right now the bar is set pretty low. For Patrick Williams, like just in these games, because I've noticed when you know, like it, it's all relative with him. To go back to that word, like he, he's progressed, and if he's better in each game, then it's like a win for Patrick Williams, and everybody's saying good things about Patrick Williams. But I do think he that more is expected out of him than 12 points and and six rebounds, and just some of the he's just he's just there's an awkwardness about him offensively still, like right now, and I mean that in in a lot of ways awkward in that he doesn't really know when it's his turn or when it's his shot there is a confidence that still lacks in him and i think that that some of that's on the coach like he's got a project on his hands does billy donovan in in terms of that like project doesn't mean have to mean horrible things like oh my god you're a project i think that there is a little bit of a project though 
to here's the project, Patrick. We we got we got to show you how the the flow of the offense when it's okay for you to shoot when maybe you should hold off on a shot. It just it there is an awkwardness there um, to to his game. Sometimes there is an awkwardness when he catches the ball and it gets a little slippery on him. You know, even if, I don't know that this is a bad thing. You'd have to ask a coach, probably. I'd love to. But the the high arcing shots, even the shot, sometimes looks a little awkward. Now, I think that that stuff for Patrick Williams can definitely be cleaned up, and as long as he is worked with, like I've been saying, like since watching him come back here, and we do have to. It, it should be a low bar right now. I, I'm not criticizing that necessarily, but what he needs more than anything is practices and, like, being with the team for an entire preseason and play. Like, these games will be valuable for, for sure, for sure, because you're in crunch time and you're trying to figure out where you need to be on a, you know, 45-33 and 33 team. You could actually objectively look at that and understand why it's a little bit difficult for him to just jump in and say, yeah, I'm just going to start popping threes and taking shots away from who? Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, Dio DeSumo. I mean, he's the man. He's the man this year. He's the rookie. So it is a tough group to re-enter, I think, for, for Patrick Williams. But he's just got to work. I think the defense will be fine eventually. I think that, you know, there, there's some holes in the defense. It's, he is imperfect in that in terms of the mental game and the switches and all of that kind of stuff. But it's really just the offense that needs some some polish, and I still think, yeah, he, you talked about his body. I, I didn't, I have not noticed him looking necessarily any bigger. I don't know, maybe he put on a few weight, a few pounds while he was down, but that's not something. I mean, I'll I'll take a closer look next time, but usually it either jumps out at you or it doesn't, and I have not noticed Patrick Williams to have gained any weight. He uh, he you know came in with an NBA body, so that's that's nothing new. I mean, Patrick Williams. That was one of the things as we all scurried to figure out who the heck this kid was. Well, what we can tell you, he came off the bench, and he's got a great NBA body. So he's, he's got a lot of stuff going on, but I can't say I know exactly where Patrick Williams maxes out. I mean, they're, they're, it's almost like Justin Fields. There's like, there's like you're like, mm, I, I really am not ready to make any kind of overall generalizations because for sure, like in the case of Justin Fields, you do do special things occasionally, but it, but but we didn't we really have not seen it. Every once in a while, you'll see Patrick Williams block have two back-to-back rejections like we saw last night. Every once in a while, you'll see him like with a power drive to the basket and he'll lay in a layup. Every once in a while, you'll see him make that high arcing three. But then sometimes he just looks lost on both sides of the ball, quite frankly, on offense and on defense. And that's when you say, eh, he's still, I mean, it is. He's ridiculously, what is he, 21? So he's ridiculously young. He's barely played in, in the grand scheme of things at, you know, in a normal NBA season without injury and all of that. And that's all part of the game. But, yeah, he, he is an interesting prospect. Is, is what you would say probably about Patrick Williams, and people would probably give him a slightly more glowing rating because I do sense on Twitter and just even that this, this call came in, people really do like Patrick Williams or at least like, I, I think maybe like the idea of 
of Whitey might become, what he is becoming. Um, that could be the case as well. 312-644-6767 is the number. I'm Mark Grody. I'm going to look at some of these. I've been doing all the talking. I want to hear from you, and I want your text as well. 312-644-6767. If you want to jump in on the on the Bulls conversation, feel free. When we come back, we'll mix in the Bulls with my thoughts on the Final Four and it's the first time in my life that I un- truly understood gambling on sports. And when we return, I'm going to tell you about that. I'm Mark Grody at Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. That's going to do it. As the Miami Heat with a season series sweep, they win their 50th game of the year. Billy Donovan walks midcourt. Derek Spolstra, very, very good friends in the final score here at the United Center, 127 to 109 Miami. When did you know last night's game was going to be a blowout? That's what it was. Like, you didn't watch the game? That score right there, pretty indicative of the game. Miami 127, Bulls 109. Good morning. Welcome in on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I'm Mark Grody here with you until noon, 312-644-6767 is the number. I was so antsy about the Bulls in that first segment that I didn't even tell you about the great guest list that we have today. We're going to get deeper into the Bulls with the Bulls Insider. At 10 a.m., we'll talk to Ricky O'Donnell editor and writer at SB Nation, one of the most honest and informed dudes around. Love talking to Ricky. At 11 a.m., we're going to Arizona, and we're going to bring in one of the Cubs play-by-play men. He is Matt Spiegel. Spiegel's doing some play-by-play in the spring training. I caught a good chunk of it. So I'm looking forward to talking to Spiegel a little bit later on today. And I'm being told, too, that we will go to another old friend of ours, Andy Garcia, will be on the show today at 1040. Andy Garcia is in NOLA in New Orleans for for the Final Four, and so we'll get to talk to him about the NC Duke game, the Villanova Kansas game, and what will be the championship game, North Carolina and Kansas. So we will talk to Andy Garcia about everything going on in the, you know, the overview of the tournament, the final four, and what we all came for, the final game, NC against tomorrow night. It happens fast. Yeah, there's no, this is not the Super Bowl. Is this the one where they wait to? No. The, the tur- the, let's get going. Today's Sunday. Tomorrow's Monday. Let's get them out on the court. Let's play ball. Bears. There you go. So, what? oh, the, to answer my own question about the Bulls, when did I feel the blowout? Like it just—it overcame me last night, late in the second quarter. Miami was up fifty-one to forty-three. That's where, like, at first I thought, "Oh, yeah, they're because it was like Miami did it very quietly and methodically. Like it didn't feel like it, but you, it was another one of those Bulls moments where you look up and it's like, wait a minute, like that Milwaukee game, right, where it was like tied." In the first quarter, like 20 to 20, and then it was like 41 to 20, and you're like 52 to 20. It's my dinner. Whoa. And that was kind of a little bit last night, and it's in a much lower scale because the lead didn't get out of control, but it got to 51 43, and that's where I'm like, what, 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 
don't let it go. You're losing it. You're losing it. And then I felt the blowout coming for sure when the the Io Desumu flagrant foul, flagrant one, on a three-point, of course it wasn't a three-point attempt. They're up for their old tricks. A three-point attempt by Kyle Lowry. So three shots for Lowry and the ball. And Lowry made for all three shots. Luckily for the Bulls, the Miami missed the buzzer beater at the half, but the halftime score, 66 to 57. The route was on. Yeah, I just I didn't feel it. I mean, that's I get it. That's that's a not a large. That's a nine-point deficit at that point. But if you're watching these games, you, you kind of like see it. You see it happen. You see the other team constantly exploiting things on the Bulls' defense. You know, like their pick and roll defense. Like you just you see it. If you and, and you know if you're a Bulls fan, and I've watched the majority of these games this year, there is that point where ah, they're on, not only is the opposing team's coach onto something. They're exploiting the hell out of it, and they're using it and hitting the bulls over the head with it. And you can sort of see that formulate, and that is not a good thing at all. But we'll get back to the bulls in a little bit. And if you want to check in on the bulls, feel free. 312-644-6767 is, is the number. I, yes, I watched the Final Four just like you did. And if you didn't, North Carolina beat Duke 81-77, to so... That's it for Mike Krzyzewski. And the North Carolina Tar Heels move on to play Kansas in the final game tomorrow night. Kansas beat Villanova 81-65. to I found – I don't gamble on sports. I I just haven't. I just – I don't know. I, maybe I don't – I think there's a, an intimidation factor to me. I, I am – I can be sloppy with money even without – having a gambling vice or a gambling uh, hobby, I guess, because, you know, it's, it's, it is a, for a lot of people, it is under control. But I think it's fair for me to not necessarily want to trust myself. So I just sort of block a lot of it out. But I know everybody gambles now, and I know it's out in the open, and it's, it's right there. It is part of all. So I think about it a lot. I hear about it a lot, but I've never quite, in, in the in terms of gambling, I understand what one gets out of gambling. If you are on the positive side, one gets money. But, uh, yeah, I don't know why I just sounded like gra- Money. You'll get money out of it. But it just has never moved me to the point where I would I was comfortable losing a little bit of money along the way. So I guess that I, I don't even know if I needed to explain that. But that's that's where I am with gambling. I'm okay with gambling. It's not it's, it's not a moral thing with me. It's a mark thing with me. And it's, you know, do I want to because well, I, I feel like once you probably I, I could see myself liking it. Like if I really learned it and put myself into it, I, I probably would enjoy it because I see how many people do, and most people who have gambled enjoy gambling. There is no doubt. So anyway, watching the Kansas-Villanova game last night, or yesterday, whatever it was, I, I was thinking to myself, this is just a horrible game. This There is really nothing interesting in this game, because it really wasn't interesting, especially in the first half. It, it was it was like Bulls-Miami. You felt the blowout coming. 
Villanova made it interesting. They did. They got close in the second half, and it got interesting. But it, for the most part, I was like, ah, the Final Four games, these got to be much better. They got to be more entertaining. What is it like? Where? And then I thought, aha! Like the little light went on. I'm like, this is where if you are a gambler, it it's got to be great because you're looking at it from a totally different perspective, not from a purist perspective, which which I would define as just watching to see who wins the game. You might be you might be looking at the over under. You you well, I'm sitting there lamenting the game. And thinking to myself, good God, this NC Duke game can't come soon enough. And my God, this is boring. I don't even know. Am I going to talk about it on the show in the morning? Well, I'm lamenting. I did uh, this one for the gamblers. I was like, this is, pr- I don't know how because I don't know all the gambling rules, but somehow, some way, there are probably people who gamble on this at a bar, pumping their fists and having no affection for either of the teams. <laughs> so. That that what well, I did think about that. So I, I'm just you know note to self, note to self, not the bill self bears. And then on the other side, man, I did I did it. You might be figuring I'm not. I am not. I've never have been. Well, it's been a while. It's been a while. Never been like from a fan perspective, a huge fan of the NCAA tournament. At least not relative to other people. Like a lot of people just love, love, love. The tournament, and I think maybe part of the things that I get turned off about it is how people hit you over the head with it, that it's the greatest sporting event ever of all time and there's nothing better, there's nothing better. Okay, well, enjoy the games. Enjoy, let's stop talking about it. Let's just in, enjoy the game. So I, I come at it from, from that perspective is I, you know, the fan hat is not on. So I guess you could say, you know, I mean, I want Illinois and DePaul and all those teams to win, but I've been a fan of college basketball since the, the 80s, maybe some of the 90s as well. So it's, like, hard for me to get into the, the tournament and really have, like, a massive base of knowledge. However, I did pick North Carolina to win it all. I, yes, when I did, when I filled out my brackets, I said, you know, and my exact, my only reason, then you can call, you can call this genius or just, you know, lazy if you'd like, my reason, my out loud reason. This is on, this is on score overnight. That I so it's all the the proof is there, and I said North Carolina will win it all because I, I'll tell you what, because I like the way. My God, to go in to Cameron and on Mike Shashevsky's final regular season home game, or I guess his final home game period, and uh, they did that that way, and not just doing it, not just that. Just God, that team looks good. I picked them to go all the way, and so I got a chance. And then, and then that made me think. That made me think. You know, what if I had just actually participated in a money-making bracket? And I'm sorry, I, I don't. I'm not in a pool. I filled it out for the sake of playing radio and just kind of following along with everybody else. But I did not uh, enter any money anywhere so just some things that um, i might be being pulled to the money making money losing side was that was that a nice way to put it <laughs> talking about gambling but nc and I, i'd say this like i as again somebody who is not over the top about college basketball in the ncaa tournament i love this final four like i love the teams in it and i i think that's a great 
I like the Blue Bloods. I like that thing. So I like North Carolina against Kansas. It just looks good. It sounds good. And you know there's legitimacy to it. And you know there's probably guys on the court that we'll be talking about in the NBA in the very near future. I do also want to compliment from the Final Four. I do want to compliment, and they, yes, they need to hear this from me, of course. It was, I guess, the, was the game on? It was on T and it was on the Impractical Jokers Network, right? I don't think it was on CBS. The the Duke North, neither of the games, right? I don't think they were on CBS proper. But anyway, um, I gotta give them credit, Jim Nance and the rest of the the crew. I don't know who all the reporters were, but. They did not. I didn't think they overdid the the Mike Shashevsky angle. Like that's what I was like. I mean, there was a little bit of melancholy from Jim Nance, like right at the end of the game, and Bill Raftery. I mean, just a little. You could tell it was like sort of scripted. Like if this, then read that kind of thing. I mean, that's what you do if you're if you're a play-by-play guy. You're not going to use all your material. But hey, if this, if if it looks like Shashevsky is going to lose, you go to this material over here in that folder. And that ended up being just, you know, like, if this is it for Mike Krzyzewski, blah, 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 it was fine. And I was just, I don't know, I was really projecting. There's no doubt about it. I was really in super projection mode, thinking that they were just going to overdo it, like the whole post game would be about it. But I, I thought, from what I saw, it was more about the team that, that won, North Carolina. I mean, it was a short little post. Then I went over to watch some more post game on another channel, and they they stuck with that. I, I got it. Like, I'm not – I don't wait. I don't find myself annoyed by – maybe it'll heat up. Maybe there'll be some sort – maybe in the pregame tomorrow night, there'll be like an hour and a half. <laughs> like, they're going to get us all back. Ah, you thought you were going to get away with, you know, not having an hour and a half long video montage. And now here's a two-hour movie for you. You know, we're scrapping the pregame. Here is a Mike Krzyzewski presentation from when he used to be with Bobby Knight and up. Good night, everybody. Uh, so, yeah, maybe maybe they get back at us for this. But I do, like, that stood out to me. It stood out to me like a Caleb Love three-pointer. Yes, it did. So I, I didn't expect that. I did expect that Duke would win. I just thought Duke looked better for a lot of that game, even though it was back and forth so much. I just felt like... You, sometimes you just have a feeling of what team will eventually take control, and I did think that Duke was going to be the team to take control, and obviously that did not occur. Three one two six forty four, sixty seven sixty seven is the number. A few text messages here. Uh, hey Groats on a Sunday, let's go. Several O's uh, from the four six five. Will this be Sunday suckage? Hmm, I don't know. I don't think I don't feel like Sunday goes with suckage because well, there's a lot of things here. Sunday is a holy day for lots of people, so I can't put suckage next to that. Sunday is also for many people now, for probably about two decades now, this term has existed. It's a fun day. Sunday is a fun day. Sunday fun day. That's what people say. So I can't I'm sorry. I reject the notion that this is Sunday suckage. Plus, Steve Rosenblum isn't here. I mean, I can't hold this thing down by myself without Stevie Sunshine. Uh, why don't the Bulls use Devon? <laughs> why don't the Bulls use Devon Dotson more? We've got Dotson. We've got Dotson. Okay, keep it down. Keep it down. Dotson. Um, why? 
I have no idea because he plays for the Windy City Bulls. You know, Devon, he's got to, like, they got to actually watch some of the Windy City Bulls last night. Our guy, uh, Julio Roseo and Mark Shanowski, they had the, I think it was the, yeah, it was the general, I watched, they did an interview with the general manager of the Windy City Bulls. And I can honestly say they did not, at least I didn't hear them because I did join mid-interview. They, I don't believe they asked about Devon Dotson, but it was good to to see those two guys, love Julio, love Shanowski, doing a great job covering with the Windy City Bulls, whose season I think is over now, right? So wait a minute. what? The, we've got Dotson. Maybe Dotson makes his way to the real Bulls. So we can come full circle um, from the 630. So you are the new Grobber replacement. Congratulations, but please explain the three technique some night. I would appreciate it. Webs or uh, Westside Bill. Well, here's the way I would describe the three technique. No, 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 no. I'm not going to do the Les Grobstein thing. I would describe it as, ready for this? Justin Jones. There you go. Not Larry Ogunjobi. It will be Justin Jones this year for the Chicago Bears. By the way, he's a defensive lineman, somebody the Bears. I just feel like when we go through the new Bears players, just for the time being, I like to be really specific about who they are because I know that it's the off season, so maybe Bear, your Bears ears aren't on completely. So I like to say the Bears signed Lucas Patrick, who hit in with Green Bay, and Patrick will play the, the center position or – the Bears signed Kari Blass in game, who had been with Derrick Henry in, in Tennessee, and he'll be a fullback, and the Bulls haven't had the Bulls. The Bears haven't had an actual fullback for a couple of years. So I just I like to I don't want to over describe and go Mr. Rogers on you guys, but I do like to say it and for myself as well. Say the names as make it make it sound very natural. So that is that is a little bit of the method to me talking bears during the off season. 312-644-6767. Ricky O'Donnell on the Bulls coming up at 10 o'clock. Matt Spiegel at 11. We've got Andy Garcia at 1040 from the final four. We've got a lot to do between now and noon. And your calls is a good time for it if you want to jump in. 312-644-6767. I'm Mark Grody on Chicago Sports Radio 670. Craig Kimbrell is a really special, not just talent, but a special uh, teammate. And, uh, you know, I knew him in Boston. I saw him firsthand. And he could not have been better with us as a teammate. He came in ready, trying to do his everything he could to help us. I think it was a brilliant move by Rick in the front office. And Kenny, you know, to, to add that kind of potential. I think the deeper we got into the playoffs, you know, his value would have shown itself. But when you start the season new, uh, it really is a difficult position when you've been – a closer with him. He's got real good credentials to be a Hall of Fame guy. So I just want fans to know that uh, this is a very special guy. Then keep him. Oh, my God. That is the White Sox manager, Tony LaRussa, speaking about the freshly traded Craig Kimbrell to the Los Angeles Dodgers for A.J. Pollock. Welcome back in on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. I'm Mark Grody here with you until noon. We're talking Bulls with Ricky O'Donnell at the top of the hour. He's with SB Nation. 
and Matt Spiegel's going to be on the show later. Andy Garcia from the final four. Spiegel's called the game. The the Cubs five four went over the Angels. He got to do a uh, got to do a walk off. Grayson, oh you didn't hear? Grayson Bird, a walk off. I mean this is pretty good for a spring training game. Grayson Bird with a walk off three run homer. Who's Grayson Bird? 24th rounder from 2019. But we'll ask Spiegel because if he was doing the play-by-play, I mean, you got to know about 10 things about the guy. I mean, I can go a few deep, like if I want, on Grayson Bird. I mean, I don't think I need to tell the the entire story to you guys, or else I'd probably be losing listeners at this point. But he was a 24th rounder, infielder, infielder, that, that I should tell you, for the Cubs in 2019. But he, that, he, I, he hit a three-run homer in the ninth inning, and guess what? I, like I said, I heard a big chunk of the broadcast yesterday. I was driving around a lot, and I was listening to Speegs. He sounded great. And he he got the, he, Speegs was so excited about calling a Seiya Suzuki home run. So that, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I got to be honest with you. I haven't heard the Grayson Bird call. So we'll all get a chance to listen to that a little bit later on. I never wanted the White Sox to trade Craig Kimbrell. I have been steadfast in that. And I keep wanting to say, if you've heard me on the overnights, and I know a lot of you probably just haven't, so so I should probably just stop referencing that. Say, well, you, you know me from the overnights. I said, no, no, I understand. You, you're sleeping. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. But I have been saying that you can't find room for the guy who – you can't figure it out is what you can't do, or you don't want to try to figure it out. You can't find a way to work Craig Kimbrell into a bullpen for a team that thinks it is competing for a World Series this year. You can't fit in the guy that is ninth all-time in saves, okay? 372, and he's not that old, 372. He had, in 2021, 23 saves in 39 games. Was he not good the, the previous two years? That is correct. I mean, we, have, we see that from relievers. We see them sort of take years off. They get by years, some of these relievers, and then they come back. And Craig Kimball was back to being dominant as a closer for the Cubs. And, yeah, he was pretty bad with the White Sox last year. But the idea of... Yeah, we just can't, can't figure this out. You can't figure out the idea of trying Craig Kimbrell as your everyday closer, and let's see if, if Liam Hendricks is being real when he says, I don't care where I pitch. You know, let's let's test Joe Kelly and all these guys that are saying similar things, Kendall Graveman, that, hey, just give me the ball, I'll pitch, I don't care. And why not try it? Because Craig Kimbrell, he's going to the Dodgers. Craig Kimball was going to end up with a team that thinks it can go to the World Series. And I just, like, and this is not necessarily an A.J. Pollock thing. I've always liked A.J. Pollock. I loved him in his first few years with Arizona. I thought he was going to, I mean, he did. I thought he had star potential. Obviously injuries, like some weird injuries have derailed him. He is career 281, 338, 482. It's a good player. I like A.J. Pollock. Let's see if he can stay healthy. And, you know, maybe he 
does, I think that the rough draft right now would be, yeah, A.J. Pollock should play the, a lot of games in right field, the most in right field. So this is not a, a dig on A.J. Pollock as much as it is as I, if, if you're going to trade that guy, I think that you probably could have gotten more at the trade deadline. And in the meantime, you could have been trying this because maybe maybe it works. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it is the that shutdown thing where when you get to the eighth and ninth inning, forget about it. Forget it. And they never tried it. I I, I thought the Sox dropped the ball when it came to that. Like just never once gave that a whirl. And I just I don't understand like what how that was not even a possibility ever it felt like like it was like they were all Rick Hahn he might have said it I don't remember I don't want to misquote him but he did say something to the effect of of really letting us know that they were planning to trade Craig Kimbrell and that there was no promises in keeping him pick up the option but we're going to trade you and so it just says to me that they're like a, a team that wants to win it all is throwing their arms up and say we just don't know what to do with Craig Kimbrell we just don't know what to do so we're going to trade him and get our and stack another right fielder. So I I just I just wish like they would these guys some of these guys would be true to their word in terms of like it doesn't you, there doesn't have to be a set position of the bullpen. I don't give me the ball wherever it is. I, I let's let's test that theory. Let's see it. Let's see it go and just give it a try. I I, I just. I don't like it. Like it, bullpen arms are the most valuable thing. Like especially this year with the with the lockout that screwed up the the stretch time for these starters. Bullpen becomes important now and probably throughout the whole season. Quite frankly, I don't know that the effects are gonna just vanish and go away. So not that you know Kimbrel is an innings eater, but you know what I mean. Like. It's symbolic of the Sox trading a guy who is of the most valuable position right now in baseball. And they always are come the ends of seasons when you are competitive. So I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like Craig Kimbrell being traded off of the White Sox. A couple other things I don't like about the White Sox, but this is not my anger. This is just stuff that sucks, and that is Lance Lynn exited yesterday's game with right knee discomfort for the White Sox. He is to be further evaluated today, so we will certainly keep an eye on that during our time here on the score between now and noon. And the the other thing about the White Sox, and this is not new news, you know, within the last 48 hours, that we learned that Garrett Crochet is going to have Tommy John surgery for this season. And, and not play, not play for the White Sox. And you know, he's been a work in progress anyway, Garrett Crochet. I mean, I thought he looked, you know, in the – and you know, remember, this guy came in during the lockout year. And at first, when he was facing batters, they he had them baffled. He looked dominant. And, like, you're like, whoa, this guy's got it all. And then we, we didn't see that last year. But it's it still sucks. I mean, that that's still a guy that – you were going to be depending on for who knows what for you know he's a guy that obviously has started he's a guy that could give you long relief if need be like if a guy just has a disastrous start he would have been great in that role like he does provide a unique service not to mention the fact that he is lefty so i mean there there's a lot about garrett crochet going down that really stinks and you know now you start to worry about you know, there's there's t- there's two things the White Sox 
haven't really replaced this year, and that is Carlos Rodon's production, which, again, there was a fadeaway from Rodon at the end of the year, but he he was terrific, and you probably don't get to the position that you got to with the White Sox. Well, you don't without Carlos Rodon because they were so pitching dependent when they had the big injuries, seemingly one after another. Eloy, Robert, Yasmani Grandal, everybody took their turn on the on the injury list. Jose Abreu, all those guys. So, but you haven't, you, you've got, and hoping God, I mean, I hope that we hear no big deal, Lynn's going to miss a start or something like that. But Lynn and Lucas Giolito and Dylan Cease, Dallas Keigel, Michael Kopech, it's at, at this point, at, at right now, on paper, and we can do that, on paper, that is not as good of a starting rotation as you had last year. Could, could it be better? Absolutely. Absolutely, because maybe Michael Kopech is a revelation, and he's a terrific starter. Maybe Dallas Keuchel does turn. Like, it's it's very possible that Dallas Keuchel is better this year. It really is. As bad as it was or felt last year, he could be good this year. So there is that part. And, maybe, and then the old Dylan Cease, is this the year? Is this the year that he has the good stuff and the good pitches? So, you know, it's always the good stuff. But not the good pitches or something. I don't know. If you have great stuff, then it seems pretty empty if you're the number three guy in the rotation. So, yeah. I set the bar high. I'm sorry. I'm hard on Dylan Cease because I hate it when guys, like, have all the tools, all the stuff, and somehow there's that little missing link or whatever that precludes them from actually realizing their potential. And I don't want to see that to happen to, to Dylan Cease. So, that's the story of the White Sox, and I'm glad I got that. Because that's it. I mean, I'm not going to really talk about Craig Kimbrell anymore, and, unless, you know, Kimbrell does something crazy in, in the Dodgers and, and the, the White Sox have bullpen breakdowns. But I, So that's it. I just needed to get that off my chest. Didn't, didn't like it before. Didn't like it when it went down. But it is what it is, and we conclude our Craig Kimbrell conversations for right now and probably in the near future. But coming up next, let's talk more about the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls lost to Miami 127-109. to Ricky O'Donnell covers the Bulls. He is an editor and writer at SB Nation. We will talk to him next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. 
There's joy in every journey.